This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Dunn. This is the show, of course, on the Blaze, where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles and the love and defense of American exceptionalism. Happy Saturday. And... Happy first day to Donald Trump. Today is your first day. If you're listening to this on Saturday, it is official. We no longer have President Obama. It's President Donald J. Trump. I don't want to focus on the negative. I want to focus on the positive. Because, actually, is is there a positive? I was going to say, I, I want to focus in on the positive to say I don't ever want to have to hear Barack Obama again. but. I don't know about you, I'm not confident of him living up to the George Bush standard of, hey, I did my eight years, I served, and now I'm just going to go and leave the public eye pretty much for 99% of the time. I'm not exactly confident that's going to happen. But I will say I'm, I'm, I'm delighted the farewell tour is over. I'm delighted I won't have to listen. Actually, in fairness, I didn't listen. I more read transcripts because I just couldn't stand the man. Um transcripts of his speeches of his press conferences of his his grandiose ideas that have always failed but you know it's obama wouldn't be obama if he didn't come out in his last couple of days and spew a lot of hot air you know i said a couple of weeks ago and as an insult you know you got to give progressives credit they're consistent on global warming because they spew a lot of hot air, and it's been—we've heard it all before. But one thing that infuriates me of people on both sides is the lack of principles, the lack of self-awareness. Just this past week, I believe it was Tuesday or Wednesday, Barack Obama held a press conference, and I think it was his last one. It was oh, his last press conference. Okay, big deal. See ya. He gone. And he had the audacity to come out and say, well, you know, President Trump, you know, I don't know if he wished him well, I can't remember reading that, but but he was like, you know, if if you do certain things, I'll be back in the public eye. And one of the things he said was freedom of the press. How can anyone who has lived under the last eight years under Barack Obama Take seriously him being concerned about freedom of the press. Does anyone remember AP, James Rosen, any of that? It's like we live in this cuckoo land where politicians can just... They, I swear, sometimes they it's like they talk just to hear themselves think. Or they talk just to just to spew more hot, more hot air. Or to get some talking points. Or to be on that little bar that's on... 
Fox News, CNN, ABC, Obama says this. Because it means nothing. But I want to talk to you about a lot deeper things today. I have a jam-packed show for you today because Obama's gone. Which means we have hope. We have an opportunity. And I want to talk to you about that opportunity. I want to talk to you today about something that's I'm very confused about the rights reaction over. And that was Obama ending the, the wet foot policy for Cubans. I want to talk to you about that. I'm going to talk to you about a new report out. I don't know if you heard this. It's devastating. A new report out that said eight people, eight, you know, one more than seven and one less than nine, have the same amount of wealth as 50% of the world. <gasps> oh my God. I want to talk to you. I'm a bit late on this issue, but I want to talk to you about Martin Luther King. But before we get to all that, I want to talk to you about a political question. And I don't see this as political, per se, as in the, the average day-to-day, -day, Trump is good, Trump is bad, Obama's good, Democrats bad, whatever way you want to look at the world. When I look at the opportunity the Republicans have in Congress, Trump has as president, and each and every one of you have, who are happy with this setup. Your success or failure will come down to one question in my eyes. And that one question is, how do you see your role over the next four or eight years? Or even the next two? Do you care more about getting even? Or do you care more about getting ahead? That is the one question on how you answer it and how you act and how you talk will define in many ways the success and failure of the GOP in, in Congress and in the Senate and the House. Trump as president, and you as a people. You have a great opportunity right now. But let me delve deeper into an issue before I give you the answer to that question, why I think it's so important. I want to read from your founding documents. And I want to start with your Declaration of Independence. And I want to read something to you that you've all heard a million times before, but I would like you, as I say each word, just think very carefully about that question. Do you want to get even, or do you want to get ahead? When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people, one people, to dissolve the political bands, dissolve the political bands, which have connected them with one another, and to assume among the powers of the earth, the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and the laws of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new governments. That is your declaration of independence, not mine. That is yours. Do you read that from July 4th, even though it was July 2nd, 1776, but let's play along. July 4th, 1776. Do you think your founders were right or do you think they were wrong? When you read that preamble, that start to the Declaration of Independence, do you think your founders wanted to get even with the British or did they want to get ahead? When they talk about one people, one people, we are declaring our independence for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them. Do they want to get even or do they want to get ahead? Because while the numbers are always sketchy on this, probably about 33%, 30% were pro crown at your founding. Another 30% probably didn't give a whole lot of care. Didn't care. It was like, eh, I don't care. I'm happy either way. I just focus in on my own little world. 30% probably were pro-freedom. We want our independence. 20% of them were probably serious. And then maybe 10% actually did something about it. But yet, they spoke about one people. Did your founders want to get even with Britain? Or did they want to get ahead? If you think, even for one second, that your founders just wanted to get even, then ask yourself one question over this weekend. What makes America different to Ireland? Why is America an exceptional nation? Why is America the greatest country in the world? And Ireland's not. Because we both declared our independence from Britain. And you can fill in any country that you really want to. I'm just picking Ireland because I, I'm Irish. But let's go on a bit further. When you talk about the law of God and the law of nature. And nature's God. These are terms I'm going to be speaking about a lot this year. So I'd suggest you get used to them. Nature's law and nature's God. If you speak about nature's law and nature's God, are you seeking to get even or are you seeking to get ahead? When you talk about these truths are self-evident, that really no one can argue with them, that all men are created equal and have certain rights from nature's law, nature's God, whether your God is the God that I worship, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, whether your God is Allah, whether your God is a rock, but nature's God. That you have these rights. And they are life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Were your founders seeking to get ahead? Or were they seeking to get even with the British? And even look at how they speak about government. And this is important. What did they say about government's role? 
Governments are instituted among men, deriving their powers from the consent of the government. That government is the securities right. Government doesn't give rights. Because if governments can give rights, governments can take rights. Were your founders men who wanted to get even with Britain? Or did they want to get ahead? I look at the political landscape today. And I think before I say what I'm about to say, I need to make one distinction. Because it's not a distinction I hear very often. On either side. I see two groups of Republicans. I see two groups of Democrats. I see two groups of conservatives. Whatever you want to call yourself. There is the group who are the politicians, the lobbyists, the staffers. You know, the people who are always around. And then there are the supporters. And it is important to make this distinction. Because today we don't make this distinction. We just throw everyone into the same group all the time. The left do this all the time. You've experienced this if you're on the right. Oh, you voted for Donald Trump. You're a racist. You're a xenophobe. You're an anti-Semite. You're a bigot. You belong in the KKK. Are there people from the KKK who support Donald Trump and maybe voted for him? I'm sure. I don't know. Are there some bigots, some racists, some homophobes who have supported Donald Trump and voted for him? Probably. But is that the average person? Absolutely not. I am blessed to have many friends on all sides of America. I, had, I have friends who have voted for Donald Trump for many different reasons. And some go from really serious because they liked him. Because they just liked how he dealt with the media. Two, they like his economic plans. I don't agree with all these. I'm just saying this is some of the people who are friends of mine. Who I've interacted with a lot over the last several years. And these are reasons they voted for him. Some people just voted for him for the Supreme Court. I have a very dear friend of mine who said, Honestly, I can't stand Donald Trump. But I'm voting for him because I, can't, I hate Hillary even more. Okay, good, gotcha. There are two different sets of people. But it also, if that's the way it works on the right, that is also the way it works on the left. Everyone who voted for Hillary Clinton is not a communist, is not a Marxist, is not a socialist, is not a big government progressives. Some people might have just voted for her because they knew her. Because, hey, I can't vote for the guy who says... Who doesn't seem to have a problem with Russia. I can't vote for the guy that says. I, I can't vote for a guy who has no political experience in DC. I can't vote for a guy who says some of the stuff he says. There are people on both sides. Are some people who voted for Hillary Clinton. You know your William Ayers. Your Bernie Sanders. Socialist Marxist progressive. Absolutely. Are there bad people who voted for Hillary Clinton? Absolutely. But that's not all. Last time I checked, it was a very conservative, a very traditional American opinion to believe in the individual. And now getting back to that question. Do you want to get even or do you want to get ahead? 
When I look at the political landscape in America today, who is talking about the Constitution? The left. Who is afraid of big government and making the argument against it? The left. Who is making the argument for prepping, for being, you know, buying a load of food? The left. Who is making the power against the argument against centralized power in America? The left. Now it just so happens who is also the person and the, the, the side for the last four to eight years who's had no problem when it was their person in the White House, in Congress, doing these incredible bills. Hey, saying I've got a pen and I've got a phone. Who was ignoring the Constitution while he was trampling it? The left. I get the human nature that it's easy to say, I just want a bit of payback. But the question again is, do you want to get even or do you want to get ahead? Because if you want to get even, I guarantee you, with this Republican Party, you're going to get plenty of opportunities. I've shared this story on air many times, but many years ago I had the honor of giving a speech on Capitol Hill at the Abolish the IRS rally, something I'm very proud of. And I was told by my friends on the right I was because it was around 2013, I think, and it was when they, they were targeting the Tea Party. You know, when if you were a conservative group, well, you know, you're 501c3, you know, I'd be waiting a while, or I'll ask you a load of questions. And my friends on the right said, but John, you're not seeing the bigger picture. You're not seeing the bigger picture. We'll get power eventually. And then you telling me you don't want us to do the exact same to a pro-abortion group or to plan or to, you know, the weather underground or to the Black Panther Party. You telling me you don't want to do the exact same thing to them. Do you want to get even or do you want to get ahead? Country, not me. I don't have this right, this honor, this privilege. You do. You are the country that said certain rights come from your maker. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. All men are created to protect these rights. Now you have an opportunity. If you want to get even, sure. You can insult the left for the freedom and prepping and survival. Or you can sit there and go, are they right? It, what are they saying right now? Is it true? Is it f On some part it is. These are traditionally opinions held by the conservative and the right. How about reaching out and saying, I absolutely agree with you. There shouldn't be this centralized power. Now let's work together to ensure it never happens again on either side. You're talking about the Constitution. You're absolutely right. I revere it as much as you. Hallelujah that you see things the same way now. That you see the greatness of this document. By the way, when I say reach out, I don't mean reach out to the people who are going to all these rallies. You know, the, the, the Occupy Wall Street, you know, all these people. I'm talking about your average Democrat who is just a good, decent American, who maybe doesn't think about politics a whole lot, but is just now wakening up to the fear of Donald Trump in the White House. Because you have two choices. You can get even. And then every two, four or eight years, 
America will go into panic. Because one side will be absolutely delighted with their win, and the other side will be crushed by their loss. And you can be constantly divided. And eventually you'll become nothing more than France, and what it was was during its revolution. There's a reason it had six revolutions and you had one. Last time I checked, having one revolution was a lot better than having six. Is there anyone in at, who listens to this kind of going, yeah, you know what, I think the French had it pretty much right. That is, you know, they might have had six revolutions, but they got it right eventually. You think that, do you? Do you think France is a country you should admire in the 1800s and 1900s to the 2000s to today? You think that's a country you want to admire? You want to follow its path? Or would you rather follow the American path? Because your founder said you were one people. One people. E pluribus unum. Does that mean anything today? Because it all boils down to how you see the world. Because we place everyone in camps. And what do you get your joy from? Do you get your joy from the opportunity to place yourself on the high ground and look down on other people? Or do you get your joy from someone seeing the light? From speaking about the same principles that you are? From being able to unite and say, absolutely, the Constitution is one of the greatest documents written ever by anyone. Your, our founders were inspired. Or would you rather get ahead, get even, and mock them who are speaking about what you spoke about mere months ago? That is the opportunity you have right now. That is the question that each and every American has to answer. Do you want to get even or do you want to get ahead? Because let me tell you something from a European perspective. The media, and I'm going to share a story about the, the wealth. The media and the politicians, the spin doctors, the staffers, they're all invested in the same game. They all know, I don't care whether you're left, right or in the middle, they all know one thing. If you are not one people and you are divided, the only people who win in that scenario is them. Because if you're divided, well then guess what, you sell more media. Because the right want to buy their media saying they're right and the others are wrong, and the left will want to buy their media saying they're right and they're wrong. And there'll be plenty of elections and plenty of power to go around. And the end result is the average person getting screwed. Or you have the option which America did. Again, I can't say this about my people. I wish I could. I wish I was on this microphone now saying, hey, America, wake up, follow Ireland. Or follow the way I've seen things. I'm not. I'm here telling you to follow the way you did things. This is your history, not mine. Your people said, we are going to declare independence from Britain and we are going to institute a system that has never been seen before. A system that is incredibly biblical and principled. We believe rights come from our God, not from government. And that they are there for everyone. Rights don't come from God just for Republicans, or just for Conservatives, or just for Tea Parties, or just for Libertarians, or just for Democrats, or just for Liberals. They come from everyone. 
They come for everyone. Because if a right is from God, it is for everyone. Everyone has that right. You cannot take it away. That is the question you have to ask yourself. Do you want to get even or do you want to get ahead? I hope you choose for yourselves, for the world, for future generations not yet born, that you choose to get ahead and to chart a new course, just like your founders did. Now, some people will hear this because I get the, I'm getting this a lot. Like, well, John, you're weak, you're passive, you're unrealistic. Sure, maybe. But I don't ever expect to get a lecture from an American about being unrealistic. Hello, you're the country that said, hey, I'm going to take on the superpower of the day. Who went to the moon. Who, in 200 short years, has done more for innovation than the rest of the world combined in 2,000 years. Don't talk to me about being unrealistic. Now, are, are there people out there who don't want who are just saying the Constitution just to make, you know, an argument? Sure. To those, I would say, I, I'm going to say something that, you know, spoiler alert or, you know, get to your safe place because I'm going to quote scripture. Imagine if we all had this as an, an, an ideal and a way of acting. From Timothy, refute falsehood, correct error, call to obedience, but do all with patience. And with the intent of teaching. Imagine if we all had that as a goal. And as a mindset. The choice is yours America. Do you want to get even or do you want to get ahead? For my part I will do everything in my power. To encourage, to empower, to inspire, to educate. And to try and help you to get ahead. To chart a new course. Just like your founders did 230 years ago. I gotta take a quick break, America. I'll be right back. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com liars. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, I'm on Twitter at Freedom Disciple, Facebook at Freedom's Disciple, or Jonathan Dunn 58. Drop me a message, drop me a, a comment, tell me where you think I'm wrong or where you think I'm right or where, you know, if I forgot something that you think was important to add. I love interacting with you as much as I can, both publicly and privately. I want to spend a few minutes talking about a report that's come out, and I think you'll find interesting. The one thing we need to understand is that there really is two sets of people. 
as I said in the last segment. There's the politicians, the spin doctors, the staffers, the media, all the people who want the status quo. And their aim is to constantly divide, constantly insert division, to insert hatred. Because they know if you are divided, you can never stand together. Your founder spoke about one people for a reason. So I want to read something out to you, and then I want to just make a few points on it, just so you're aware. Because I don't, I don't, I don't think this company, this organization is in America, but it's like your local charity. But it's a big charity. It's called Oxfam. It's a Brit. It's, I think it's mainly British. And I want to read out to you because this was in the Guardian this week, and it drove me out of my mind. Just listen to the first paragraph. The world's eight richest, richest billionaires control the same wealth between them as the poorest half of the globe's population. According to a charity warning of an ever-increasing and dangerous concentration of wealth, in a report published to coincide with the start of the week-long World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, Oxfam said, are you ready? Get, get, get to your safe place. Oxfam said it was beyond grotesque that a handful of rich men headed by Microsoft founder Bill Gates, are worth $426 billion, which is equivalent to the wealth of 3.6 billion people. The development charity called for a new economic model to reverse an inequality trend that it said helped to explain Brexit and Donald Trump's victory in the US presidential election. Now, this is the good part, because they, they finally get to a bit of substance. This is the third part, three paragraphs in, nothing bar rhetoric. It's beyond grotesque. Oh, my God. But here's what they blame. Oxfam blamed rising inequality on aggressive rage restraint, tax dodging, and the squeezing, the squeezing of producers by companies adding that businesses were too focused on delivering ever high returns to wealthy owners and top executives. So you get this, and you're going, oh my God, it's grotesque. Oh, oh, those rich bees. You, you can put in your own insult, whatever you want. But then they go and name them. So just so you know, like, you know, these are the eight people you have to hate. Bill Gates, head of Microsoft. I'm going to butcher this name, I apologize. Amancio Ortega, the founder of Spanish chain Zara. Our friend, <laughs> Warren Buffett, the renowned investor and chief executive Ber Berkshire Hathaway. Carlos Slim Hilu, the Mexican telecoms tycoon. Uh, Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon. Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook. Larry Ellison the chief executive of Oracle, and Michael Bloomberg. <gasps> a politician. Were to... now, that is funny. I, I saw Michael Bloomberg and I just went, okay, so let me get this straight. Michael Bloomberg is a big progressive. Talks about income inequality all the time. Yet he's the eighth most richest person in the world. So shouldn't he hate himself before he comes talk to us about who he should hate? You know, one thing I always annoys the hell out of me about these politicians is none of them are poor. Especially in America, you look at America. You don't. You, do you know anyone who goes bankrupt who's a, a politician? 
The only one I know who, I don't know if he'll ever go bankrupt or not, but he's really poor, is Mike Lee. But you go in there, you get insider trading, you get all this information, you get all this lobbying effort. You go in richer, or you go in poor and you come out rich. You know, you look at the Clintons, just the way the system operates, it's incredible. You know, why don't you, how about you start it? You go donate all your money and then go live on the average industrial wage, which in America I think is about $50,000 or $40,000. But these are in millions. So here's the thing. This drove me out of my mind because people will go, well, John, shouldn't, should income inequality exist? Sure, it should. Absolutely. Because here's the thing that people will never answer who promote, you know, we need a fair society. We need a system that is fair. What is fair? Because here's the truth. If you want the fairest system in the world, there is one exists in, America, in the world right now. There's one. And it is the most fairest system that you can find for what you promote. It's called North Korea. They all earn the exact same thing. Is that the vision you want of the world that everyone lives like people live in North Korea? Because that is a pretty fair system. Regardless of what you do, you earn the same and you have the same opportunities as everyone else. None. The only people who do well in North Korea are about a handful of people who are connected to the president. Who own all the businesses. But the average person, that is the fairest system. Is that the system they want to put in place? Are you seriously telling me North Korea is the way to go? You know, you get other people who ask these questions, you know, what are the implications for people on our planet? And what should we do about this? You know, because, you know, you can't have eight people having the same wealth as 50% of the world. It's just not fair. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that is never, ever discussed by our friends who promote this, you know, the grotesque, you know, Oxfam, the media, the Guardian. Do you know the one question that's never asked? How much work did Bill Gates have to put in to Microsoft to get it where it is today? How much work, how much blood, sweat and tears did Amancio Ortega, and I don't know these, these could be really bad guys, by the way. If they're like Buffett and Gates, they probably are. But how much blood, sweat, and tears did they have to do to get to Zara? How much did Jeff Bezos have to do to get Amazon? Mark Zuckerberg, up all night, working all hours God sent, creating, innovating, constantly making themselves and their products better that everyone can use. But let's just focus in on one. Forget what your personal views of him are. Mark Zuckerberg. Is there anyone who can argue that the creation of Facebook hasn't been a net positive for the world? Are there things that Facebook do that I don't like? Sure. Every company does things I don't like. But the creation of an app, a system on the internet called Facebook, is incredible for me. You know, someone like me, we can just talk over the, over the internet. I can talk to people 6,000 miles away. It used to be I could just physically type the messages and have great interaction with them. Now you can physically ring someone on Facebook. It's a great way for people like me to share our work. 
It's a great place for, for media places to share their work. It's a great way to interact with people. I would not have half the friends I have if it wasn't for Facebook. So even though he's rich, am I, am I to hate Mark Zuckerberg because he's one of the, the wealthy eight? The wealthy eight? Or should I look at what he's done and what he's helped create? Because here's the thing. He created something that people use, that people want, and it's become a viable business. Surely that's something we should celebrate. Surely that is something we should celebrate. Should income inequality exist? Absolutely. Because here's the thing. If someone works their butt off and they have a great product and you buy that product, surely it is not right then for someone to come and say, well, you know what? I know all the people said I love your product. Let's just take an, an iPad. When Apple created the iPad first, it was the first iPad. And everyone went and bought them. That was innovation. That was someone's idea. Then went through the blood, sweat and tears of putting it up on a whiteboard, you know, designing it, making it happen, cost sourcing the stuff, putting it all together, all the little bits and pieces together. That took a lot of blood, sweat and tears and equity in the hope that us, the consumers, would buy it. We bought it because we saw, wow, this is an iPad, this is incredible. Instead of having a, you know, a desktop PC or a laptop, which is big and bulky, I can have the thing that's slightly bigger than my hand and probably about the same thickness if you've got big chubby hands like me. That is the power. And you can do so much in it. You can listen to music, you can take photographs, you can go onto your email, you can go onto the internet, you can play games on it. You can get apps, you can read on it, you can listen to music, you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to books. That is a net benefit for society. And then they went and created the iPhone. These are all things that are net benefits to society. It makes the world a lot better place. Don't we want people who make the world a better place to become rich? And not someone who, well, just sits there and... And, you know, maybe does nothing or doesn't have a job or, you know, just works. A, you know, should the, should a, a person who sweeps the streets earn the same as a cop, earn the same as someone who creates an iPad, who earns earn the same as someone who, I don't know, creates the next drug for cancer? You know, I'd love to ask all these people who talk about income inequality and say, OK, so there's this person and they have created this pill. And if you take this pill at a certain point in your life, it guarantees you a guaranteed medical fact you won't get cancer. Or if you get cancer, this other pill will stop it. It will cure it. You won't have to go through drink chemo. You won't have to go through radiotherapy. You take a pill and it goes. Is there anyone who doesn't believe that says, in, who believes in income inequality would say, that person who creates that pill, he should have or she should have the wealth of the whole world. Is there anyone who would argue with that? I'm sure are, there are many people who go, well, that's not fair. You know, all they did was create a drug to cure cancer. I'm sure they would. It, nothing surprises me in this world with the media and the spin doctors. Or how about if we created a system of... I'm trying to think of, of things. If we, cure, if we cured heart disease, again, with a pill, is there anyone who would say that is not that person does not deserve to be filthy rich? Now, it's up to them whether they take it or whether they don't. 
But is there anyone who says that person does not deserve to be wealthy? Does not deserve to be wealthy? But let's look at it on the flip side. Most people who listen to this will have some type of positive feeling about a person like Mother Teresa. All she did through her life. If someone, if people came together and no government, if people came together and said, you know what, I've seen all your work and we're inspired, and we're going to do a GoFundMe, because now this this is years ago. Let's say she's still alive, or the, the next Mother Teresa, and we said we're going to give you a billion dollars. Is anyone ever going to say, oh, well, that's the wealth of a million people. How can you do that? That's not fair. That's inequality. And let's say we said to her, Mother Teresa or whoever who it is, you have that billion dollars. You can spend it on ever how you want. If you want to go spend that billion on yourself, go for it. Is that, is that, is that unfair? Would anyone object to that? Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing that we need to say, like I said in the first part, do you want to get even or do you want to get ahead? Because the problem is, we can't point to a system in the world that says that's the best system. Because in America, in Europe, in the rest of the world, we all have a similar system. The left, depending on the way you see things, the left want big government. They want their big government programs. They want redistribution of wealth. You know, they want more benefits, more, you know, government programs. And the right want big business. There is no free market system. So in some point, what they are talking about does have some merit on the undertones. They don't ever mention this. They'll always wrap it up in big government. You know, should what should be done? Government needs to have a better system. You know, we need a fairer tax code. We need to get rid of these tax dodgers. We need more benefits. We need to redistribute the wealth. No, you don't. Over the coming weeks and months, and I'm going to start next week because there's an article I saw which I cannot wait to share with you. It's about a famous footballer and what he did with his billions. And I want to break it down for you next week. But here's what I believe we need. We need a traditional free market system that your founders had. That America had up until maybe, depending at different points, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. There is a reason that from the birth of Christ to 1776, the world saw little to very net positive gain. They used the same tools. They did things the same way. And then, boom, America was founded. 1776, 1791, 1800, 1860, the Industrial Revolution. Then all of a sudden, you had your first manpower flight. And then in 50 years, what happened? You went to the moon. And now look at us. We have so much information and technology at our fingertips. In 2017, that happened because of a free market. But I do believe we need to tackle poverty in, in a new way. It's the only sentence they said that I agree with. We need to empower people. We need to make them independent. And we need to change this mentality that you have so, looking at a fat man and saying, and then seeing a skinny man going, well, the fat man is fat because he took something from the skinny man. That is what we need to do. Because let me give you one last personal example. I am blessed to call Glenn Beck a friend. He's one of my personal heroes. 
He's my boss. He owns this content. Exclusive rights to it. Glenn is worth... I don't know how much Glenn is worth. Because you never get the right figure with Glenn because a lot of people equate the blaze to him and it doesn't work that way because he's not 100% owner. But let's, let's put it this way. Glenn is not poor. You know, Glenn has a lovely house. He has his own jet. He has a lovely car. I don't have my own house. I don't have my own jet. And I don't have my own car. I share it with someone over here. Glenn has gold. I don't have gold. Glenn has investments. I don't have investments. Glenn has a pension. I don't have a pension. Glenn owns a company. I don't own a company. Glenn has a lot of, I don't know, the ownership and it doesn't matter. I'm just giving you this as an example. Glenn has a lot of historical artifacts. I've seen some of them. The Willy Wonka, uh, the, the, the golden ticket. Remember when I saw that, it was just incredible. George Washington's compass. I was like, oh my God. And by the way, yes, I did feel his fingertip where his indent is. And it's absolutely George Washington indent. I firmly believe it. It's incredible. He has all this stuff I don't. Should I hate Glenn Beck? Should I sit here and go, you know, just this income inequality, Glenn, it's not fair. You have all these things and I don't have anything. You know, if you are to do your balance sheet, you'd have all that I said and a hell of a lot more. If you do my balance sheet, um, it's quite embarrassing. Here's the thing. I didn't create the blaze. I don't have a syndicated radio program. I don't have my own TV show. I don't have, I didn't build a company. I didn't do all these events. I didn't write, how many books? I think it's like 12 or 13 books now. I didn't write those. He did. In what world is it okay for me to say, yeah, Glenn, I know you wrote this book, all these books, and yeah, I know you did all these events, and yeah, you have your own t radio station, which 10 million people listen to, and yeah, you have your own TV show, and yeah, you have your own company, but, and I don't have any of that, but you earn too much money, and I should have some of it. In what world does people think that is fair? In what world does anyone think that that is right? Glenn has that money because people listen to him, people watch him, people buy his stuff, people buy products from his company. And yes, he has that money and I don't. That is why he did it, I didn't. He could, I can't. He wants to, I don't. But here's the thing that annoys me the most about income inequality, is we just bunch people, you're a number on a balance sheet, there is nothing about the individual. And I've said this many times, one of the reasons I admire Glenn is for this. He could have chosen a very easy route in life. He could have said, you know what, I don't fancy stress, don't fancy, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do my three-hour radio show in the morning, and I'm going to make it the biggest, the best, the most fun, unique program ever. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over to Fox and I'm going to do my 5 p.m. show and I'm going to earn millions doing it. And hey, if anyone ever says to me, well, what, Glenn, what did I do for the movement? Well, I can say, well, I spoke for three hours a day on radio and then I did an hour-long TV show. I explained to you your history. I explained to you the Constitution. I explained to you, you know, stories 
I shared them with you and then it's up to you to take them and do something. But, you know, as far as helping the movement, you know, I've, my conscience is clear. I've done a lot. He could have chose that path. He didn't. He invested money. He invested in money in a company called The Blaze. He set it up. And for reasons I still never understood, he decided, hey, there's an Irish guy. Let's have him on the network. Let's give him his show. That is what people like Glenn have done. And I'm not using Glenn as an example because everyone who listens to this show know who Glenn Beck is. But there are plenty of business owners. Apple are the exact same. Apple could have done the exact same thing. Now, they would never have had the success they had, but Apple could have done the same thing. We are just going to perfect the Mac and the MacBook. They didn't. They went and made an iPad, an iPhone, an iWatch. All these extra products. They're constantly innovating. Constantly making the world better. I was reading an article. We don't, I don't think we have them over here. Or I'm not sure if they even released in America yet. You know, these wireless earphones. I think that's going to be incredible. Technology is incredible. Innovation. People should profit from what they create. If you come up with an idea for wireless earphones, for the iPhone, for the iPad, you deserve to be rewarded for that. Especially if people decide, hey, I'm going to buy your product and I'm going to buy lots of it because it makes our world better. Who is some person sitting at a desk in Oxfam or some politician or some spin doctor to come and say, you know that money you earn? That's income inequality. You suck. And sadly, sadly, because of the world we live in, there are a lot of people who will read this article from The Guardian, which I'll share, who will read that and go, I hate those eight people. They're sick. They're selfish. They're greedy. i got to take a quick break, America. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. Premiums fall by as much as 3,000%, which means they could give you a raise. Three. Thousand percent. Nobody no, was promised. able to answer his question. Right? They were all. Nobody oh worked there. God. Yeah, yeah did that was right. fascinating. Yeah. He's talking about employers, right? There? Yeah. He's talking about employers paying three thousand percent less. Yes. Pat and Stu, weekdays at five p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. With Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. And now a segment which I, I've been looking forward to saying and sharing with you for about a week. Um, because I, I, I think this is going to annoy a lot of people. Because I don't... I'm finding myself not understanding the right as well as I used to in America. There, there, there's just things that are changing. Um... I just don't get it. But I want to share 
an article with you. And you've probably heard this already, but last week, President Obama did something that annoyed a lot of people on all sides of the aisle. He ended the long-standing wet foot, dry foot policy. And that was which allowed Cubans to arrive in America without a visa and become permanent residents. Um, the Obama said that by taking this step, we are treating Cuban migrants the same way we treat migrants from other countries. I have many friends on the right who thought this was a bad idea, who lambasted Obama first, who said it was typical um, Obama being a tyrant, um, that he shouldn't have done this move, you know, about 10 days before he left office. That has some credibility. Um, and we're going to talk about that down the road. You know, Mark Levin, in case you hadn't, if you don't listen to him, he had a great show last Friday um, where. I think it was the 13th, yeah, it was Friday the 13th. He had a great show. I check it out. The first hour of his show, he basically is promoting a new amendment to the Constitution where it shortens yet again the gap between the election and the president taking office. And his suggestion was four weeks after the election, which would be the first Tuesday of December. There's a lot of merit to that. We'll discuss that another time. That is the one thing that has credibility. You know, he shouldn't have done that at that time. I, I can understand that point. But I never understand people who want good things to do, be done, with the right motives. Now, if you read Obama's press release on this and you see what he said about Cuba and, and you know, it, it's, it's you know, helping, you know, normalize the relationships was one of the, the quotes with Cuba. That is horrific. I don't guess on either side wanting to normalize relationships with bad people. I don't get it on the right who see Putin as a good guy, and I don't get it on the left with the likes of Castro, all these regimes that are incredibly tyrannical. I, I don't get it on either side. I, I don't personally. I don't want to normalize relationships with Putin. If Putin changes, which will never happen, um, I don't see him tripping over a constitution or a, you know, oh freedom, what's this, and reading it and then taking it to heart. The same way the Castro brothers, Fidel is now dead, but, but them brothers, they don't see things the way we see them. They just see personal power. And it's the same for all incredibly dictators. It's the same for the Ayatollah in Iran. It's the same for, you know, Castro and uh, Castro in Cuba, Chavez in Venezuela, all these people. It's, this is not a new blight on society. There will always be people who will only care about themselves. But I want to focus in on the policy. I never supported this policy. I, I just don't get why anyone would, who, if you believe illegal immigration is wrong, I don't see why you would support a wet foot, dry foot policy for anyone. So let's go through it. And let me ask you some very, very honest and hard questions. So one of the reasons that this was in institute was the medical professionals because you know if they got to a they got to immigrate to America and you know they they just got to offer their services and they got to you know become an America you know an American what makes a Cuban medical person more important or more worthy of American citizenship than a medical person from England, from Ireland, from Germany, from Russia, from China, from North Korea. You know, 
the answer to that is they just happen to be 90 miles off your southern excuse me off your southern border why is a cuban more worthy of citizenship in america than anyone else now i i can i can get the argument that says well do you understand the conditions they live in yeah i do it's horrific it's absolutely a disgrace there i i was going to say i don't know a person in the world who would say who would look at cuba and say that's okay but sadly we have plenty of people who do i get that but and i and i could get the argument that says well whose life is worse yours in ireland or the cuban in cuba okay i get that but why cuba is the life in cuba so much worse than i don't know you know an iranian living on iran under the current regime than someone living in china under the chinese regime than a freedom-loving russian living under putin right now than you know a freedom-loving person who wants to dream who lives in north korea why are they so much more important than anyone else then there was the other thing that they get citizenship within a year if someone like me goes legally i gotta wait five years for citizenship why do they get an added benefit why do they get something i don't why do they get special treatment why should i get voting rights the last thing why do people who break the law all of a sudden become somehow noble why i and i know why because politicians and the media love the division but this is not just about me there are five million people like me who are currently waiting in line to become an american yet no one ever talks about us and it's us not just me there are five million people and there are probably more who would move to america tomorrow if they could legally this is my 13th year trying to get into america no one ever gives us a nickname we don't get a uh, you know a a noble nickname like well you're just a dreamer actually i am a dreamer i dream of becoming an american every day i also work for it i also try and make a a difference while i wait but john do you not see the life rafts in in the ocean you know people die to come to america surely that has some standing and that's what I want to talk to you about for the last few minutes. Are we doing Cuba as a country, as a collective, as a whole, a benefit by this policy? Because those who love freedom are leaving. Those who leave are those who are willing to rake a risk. Who, who's been left behind? How can you ever hope to change Cuba if there's no good people in Cuba? Also, we are forgetting one of the, the most important things. I get that you might have a, an affinity with Cuba. It's 90 miles off your coast. And you see the treatment they go through. And you want to help. I get that. 
But how about doing things the right way? How about instead of going, you know what? Instead of saying to Cuba as a country, we're going to have this wet foot, dry foot policy, which means if you get on a raft or somehow or swim or ever how you do it, and you get that 90-mile track and you arrive safely, the minute you get to Florida or wherever you arrive, you're in America. How about having a policy that says the following? Don't risk your life. Don't risk your life. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to increase and make it easier for you to come to us illegally. We're going to set up a better asylum system where you don't have to risk your life. Where if you get to a U.S. embassy or U.S. consulate or U.S. office or you invest in some new way system. If you get to this place in Cuba and you go through a system where you apply and you do things the right way where we can check you out. You get to become an American. You get to go through the same process everyone else does. How about that? How about instead of rewarding people who risk their lives, you make it easier for them, if that is what you really want to. But this policy, and I, I say this for America, I say this for Ireland, I say this for anywhere. This policy that says, yeah, you just get to our country, no matter who you are, you're in. I think it's suicide in many ways. Because you don't get, I don't understand the logic of anyone who says, do you know what? If you just get here, you're an American. And you're willing to roll that dice. You are willing to roll that dice. I don't get how that is beneficial. Because let's turn the tables on me. I'd be the first one to say America or any Ireland or Europe or any country has the right to control its borders the way it wants to. If America right now, and let's make this real personal, Donald Trump is in, in the White House now. If Donald Trump, because he got elected and through his system said, you know what? I only want people to who immigrate, you know, the allotment of visas we give out this year and up until 2020. I only want them to people who are, you know, allies of mine and who see America the way I do. And who want to be part of my America. The vision of America that I have. And that people like, you know, like John, who was out there talking and, you know, was critical of me in the in the primaries and in the general. I don't want John over here. That Would that suck? Absolutely. Would it be fair? I could make an argument it's not fair. But it'd be America's right. America has the right to control its own borders. You have the right to do anything you want. But this policy always struck me as incredibly harmful and stupid. That you let any Cuban, no matter whether they're good guy, bad guy, good girl, bad girl. Regardless of their upbringing, their experience. They're, they're willing to assimilate into society. Just you get to America, you're safe. But the whole aspect of saying you risk your life to get here, you're rewarded. How about making it easier and not risking your life? Or how about trying to work with the Cuban people to institute freedom in their country? How about doing some of those things? And no, I don't mean occupying Cuba. No, I don't mean army, armies 
um, invade Cuba. No, I don't mean any of that. I mean your people working with their people a lot closer so that freedom grows. I got to be honest and I got to make a confession as well while I'm talking about this. You know, there's been a few people over the last year who were very critical of me privately who said, um, why don't you talk about immigration more? And I got to be honest, I'm going to give you, been, I'm going to be totally honest with you and confess. I hate talking about myself. I know that's kind of ironic or weird. You do a radio show once a week. You hate talking about yourself? Yeah, I do. I really do. I don't like talking about myself. I don't making like making the issues about myself. I like making the issues about your founders, your constitutions, and about principles. And I was always very uncomfortable. I had many shows last year planned to talk about immigration. But invariably, I could never talk about them without, you know, either alluding to myself or flat out talking about people like me. And I always felt very uncomfortable, and I always can then. That is not a mistake I'm going to make this year. I'm going to talk to you about different aspects of illegal immigration. Because here's the thing. I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for five million other people who are waiting in line. I don't seek a guarantee. I don't, I'm not doing this show to improve my chances of becoming an American. I'm doing this show because I care. All I've ever asked for is an opportunity. The same opportunity everyone else gets. I've waited 13 years. I'll have, if I have to wait another 13 or even if I never get there. If you said to me, John, the way your life is going to go, you're always going to want to be in America, but you're never going to get there. But you're going to get a fair shot. I'd be okay with that. What always hurts me the most, and I'm guessing it's the same for other people who want to move over there legally, is that we're forgotten. That somehow, us waiting in line makes us feel like we're just a bunch of morons. I've had people tell me you're a moron for waiting in line. That's the system we live in. I got to, I had someone, I get told pretty regularly, you go illegal. You know, especially when Obama spoke about, started speaking about amnesty a couple of years ago, people said, dude, you're Irish. You know, there's, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be in there with the amnesty lobby. You, you'll get, you'll, you'll get over there. You clearly love America. Get over there. Make your difference. But just, you know, one person said to me, it's like a balance sheet. You know, it's like you, you, you do one bad thing, but look at all the good you could do. And I was like, it doesn't work that way. It's, it's, you don't create one sin to do a lot of good. It doesn't work that way. But I'm going to speak a lot more about immigration over the coming weeks and months and years. But I would ask you to think about this policy. Why does a Cuban person get special treatment? What is it about them that makes them somehow more noble than someone like me who's in Ireland? And secondly, are you doing more harm to Cuba and Cuba as a country and the Cuban people by rewarding, saying, here, Here's your golden ticket. All you have to do is survive a 90-mile trip in the ocean. Just think about that. Is that the better policy? Or is the better policy saying, we're going to make it easier. But you have to come through legally and through a system. i got to take one last quick break, America. I'll be right back. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. 
The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I promise this segment, the last one will be very short. I just want to talk to you. I want to hit on a couple of topics. One, one thing I'm really bad at, and I admit this, is I'm really bad at planning ahead of on shows on certain events. So last Monday in America, it was MLK Day. And I could not let that day go without just addressing it real quick and just sharing a couple of, a couple of thoughts. I really admire MLK. And anytime I ever post, it's always so funny. Anytime I ever post anything positive MLK, I always get, well, he wasn't a saint, you know. I'm not saying he's a saint. I'm not saying he's perfect. But I admire anyone who has passion, has wisdom, is humble. My God, humility is such a trait that I wish would come back in the world. And a desire for peace. You know, it's funny when I look back in American history that MLK and Malcolm X both existed at the same time because they're parallel worlds. One sought peace, one sought a better future, one sought and spoke about the dream they had because they wanted to get ahead. They wanted to get ahead. They wanted to make America a better place. And one spoke about violence. One spoke about hatred, and one spoke about getting even. It's incredible that those two people existed at the same time. There's a reason I believe America remembers the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Because he spoke about peace. He didn't want to get even with the white man. He wants to get ahead. He wanted a better future. You know, if there's one lesson I think Martin Luther King can teach us all, it's speaking about the dreams they have, always speaking about a better tomorrow. He was a visionary. He had many flaws. But the people I admire most generally do apart from George Washington. And maybe George Washington, there will never be another man like him. I can't imagine what it must have been like to be Martin Luther King, to live at his time. But there's another lesson we can learn. Never give up. A brighter tomorrow can come. No matter how many times this world tells you, you can't do something. If you truly believe you can, 
no matter how many times this world says, sit down, shut up, and get back to the end of that bus, you can make a difference. The difference between Martin Luther King and a lot of other people is he believed. In fact, he used that word all the time in his speeches. I believe, I believe, I believe. I believe in a better tomorrow. I believe in a country that bases its judgment on people, not on the color of their skin, but on the content of their character. I believe, I believe, I believe. I believe in the future of America. What else can we learn from Martin Luther King? That sometimes doing something that is right and just gets a bad, gets a bad treatment. He was arrested about 20 or 30 times. You look at people today and you go, well, you're arrested 20, 30 times. You must be a bad person. Sit down, shut up, and don't do anything. Don't give up. No matter how many times this world knocks you back, you got to keep getting back up. I know it's hard. Trust me, I know it's hard. I can't tell you the amount of times I've thought about giving up over the last 18 months or two years. On many things. I've thought about giving up on my American dream. So many times, but just, you just got to keep believing. After you have setback, after you have setback, at times it's, this isn't meant to be, you know, maybe I should focus my energy elsewhere. But I can't give up. I ask you not to give up either. What else can we learn from him? Well, he gave a speech, and I want to give you one of his quotes that I don't think is ever used as much as it should be. Because it's an incredible quote. And it's one of my favorite Martin Luther King's quotes. If a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great sweet sweeper who did his job well. Each and every one of us has a role to play. And we should play our role to the best of our ability. Whatever our role is, we didn't choose it. God chose it for us. We are here for a purpose. We are here for a reason. Just like I spoke last weekend, last week and last week's show. You have greatness inside of you. But don't ever diminish that greatness by thinking that what I do is not good enough. Your job might be just to raise freedom-loving, God-fearing, American-supporting kids. That might be your role. That might be your vision. Now do it to the best of your ability so that everyone in heaven says, here lived a great patriotic person, a great patriotic parent. Others might be to go right, to do radio, to do other projects, to be a politician, to be president to be a staffer, to be a speechwriter, to be a researcher. I don't know what your role is, but each and every one of us has a role. This is one of my favorite quotes because also I, I look at the youth of today. 
and some of the and i look at people's attitude just not just the youth but other people well i'm just just take the exact quote i'm just a street sweeper no one cares about me all i do is sweep streets what difference do i make and we have a bad attitude if you're called to be a street sweeper you be the best one you can be if you're called to pick up the trash you be the best one you can be if you're called to be a anything you know a, a tester of mics a tester of sound a writer a, an accountant a mom a dad anything be the best one you can be imagine if we all or even the majority of us had this aim where that the hosts of heaven and earth would say here lived a great person who did a great job at X. Here lived the great street sweeper. Here lived the great accountant. Here lived the great teacher. Here lived the great podcaster. Here lived the great writer. And we did the best we could. I couldn't let this week go on without... I know I should have done it last week. Apologies, I'm, I'm always bad at forward planning on events. But I want to leave you with one last thought. And it's a thought I shared on my Facebook page last week. If you don't, I generally leave thoughts during each, try and leave a thought each day on my Facebook, Jonathan Dunn 58 or Freedom's Disciple. And I left it last Sunday evening as I was going through my timeline, seeing hate after hate. The left suck, Obama sucks, everyone who votes for Hillary is is a tyrant and a just horrible person anyone who voted for it who didn't vote for trump is stupid and i was going through my timeline and just something hit me i said today is sunday i wonder how many christians went to church or spent time with scriptures today i wonder how many of those christians really reflected on the stories of jesus and its real meaning I wonder how many of those Christians have let scriptures really influence their hearts, their minds, and their souls. Lastly, I wonder how many today did all of the above came onto social media and then made a positive influence. I wonder how many turned the other cheek, did not name call or insult others, even if they deserve it. I wonder how many reached out today to their version of the tax collectors and the prostitutes. I wonder how many people reached out at all. Imagine a world where Christian and Jews came together and acted this way all the time. Now that would be a great world to live in. Each and every one of us has a responsibility in everything we do, in our words, our deeds, our actions, and our what we say and type on social media to be a positive influence. Consider that the next time you type on social media. Consider that the next time you get into a debate online about some policy. Imagine if we were all positive influences. What a difference we would make. Because each and every one of us has greatness inside of us. We have God-given potential. We can do anything we want to. What we want to strive to. Make it a positive influence. Because as I started this show out with one question. Do you want to get even? Or do you want to get ahead? That is the one question that is so apt for each and every one of you and how you act and how you think and how you talk 
and in what words you type on social media. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope it has given you plenty to think about. I know I probably annoyed some of you at my immigration talk, but that's okay. Drop me a message. If tell me where you agree, disagree. I'm happy to discuss it with anyone public or, publicly or privately. And today we finish the show the same way we always do. We salute our police, firefighters, emergency personnel, and your vets. These are the heroes of society, the men and women who risk it all 24-7 for a better country, for a better world. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. Never, ever, ever forget one thing. America is great because Americans are good. Because each and every one of you are good, positive influences on the world. Until next week, America, God bless and God bless America. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network.